Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This Your Torah episode is dedicated by Rabbi Dr. Carmela Abraham, in memory of her mother, Nivana Bat-David Vibatsheva. Welcome to Jofa UK's Your Torah podcast project. My name is Rabah Dr. Carmela Abraham, and I graduated Yeshivat Maharat in June of 2017. In addition to my full-time job as a physician working in pharma, I also work as a community educator. Thank you for joining me today as we discuss the tractate of Kinim. But first, we're going to start in another Masechet or tractate, that of Perkeavot, the Ethics of Our Fathers. Chapter 3, verse 18, which actually refers to our tractate of Kinim. Rabbi Eliezer ben Chisma Omer, Kinin ufitcheni da, hein hein gufei halachot, tekufot vegamatriot, papara ot lechachma. Rabbi Eliezer ben Chisma was known in the Talmud for his great knowledge of astronomy and mathematics. Here he is stating, that the study of the laws related to Kinim, our tractate that discusses mix-ups of korbanots, of sacrifices, and the laws of family purity, both of these are in fact the crux of Jewish law, and mathematics and astronomy are the seasoning and condiments which help us sharpen our understanding of these particular laws. The Vilna Gaon suggests that the topics presented by these tractates are examples of applied mathematical formulas. Once one masters the basic formulas, all the laws flow from the simple application of that formula. So basically, simple mathematical formulas can open up our understanding of halakha in these particular tractates, especially kini. So I said the word mathematics, and I know for some women that sounds intriguing, but for many others, I've kind of lost you. You see... I know you find it daunting, and I know many of you say, well, I just can't do math. I want to point out that that struggle actually has been traced back to adolescence. Writes Dr. Mary Pfeiffer in Reviving Ophelia in her study of adolescent girls. My observations suggest that girls have trouble with math because math requires exactly the qualities that many junior high girls lack. Confidence trust in one's own judgment, and the ability to tolerate frustration without becoming overwhelmed. Anxiety interferes with problem-solving in math. A vicious cycle develops. Girls get anxious, which interferes with problem-solving, and so they fail, and are even more anxious and prone to self-doubt the next time around. What this leads to is a precipitous decline in math. Girls need to be encouraged to persevere in the face of difficulty to calm down and believe in themselves. They need permission to take their time and to make many, many mistakes before solving the problem. And now we come to the Mishnahs of Kinim. Many of these Mishnayot are about korbanot, or bird offerings that get mixed up with each other, creating mathematical conundrums that require a logic decision tree to figure out how the Mishnah arrived at its answer. Despite Kinim having only three short chapters, it contains some of the most difficult Mishnas to understand. At the same time, I would like to suggest that we can use it to study with our daughters or friends 
to help build our mathematical muscles and most certainly our abilities to solve logic problems. The satisfaction that is derived from figuring out what these missionas are actually saying and understanding the solutions posed is tremendous. And in fact, working through each missionah is really a lot of fun. So I invite us all to take a deep breath and get a pen and paper as we think through and chart some of these Mishnayot. But first, some important background. Kinim is the title of the last Masechta in the Tractate of the Mishnah Kodashim. There is no corresponding Gemara. This Mishnah deals with bird offerings and the complexities of these laws and what happens when one bird gets switched with another. The word Kinim literally means nests. A nest of birds is typically made up of two birds. These birds were typically offered in the temple by either women or men, bringing them as obligatory offerings or required offerings, a chovah, or as a freewill offering, a nidavah. There are many people that bought these kinds of obligatory offerings in the temple. Some examples include a woman who just gave birth, a leper, a zav, a man who's had a seminal emission, or a zava, a woman who's had vaginal bloody discharge. Throughout the Masechta, the Mishnahs refer predominantly to women who bring these bird offerings. And that is because most of the time, the people that bought these kinds of bird offerings were women who had just given birth, or women who were zavot. Based on chapter 12 of Leviticus, we learn that a yoledet, a woman who has born a child, must bring an obligatory offering or a chova of a chatat sacrifice, a sin offering, and an Allah sacrifice, a burnt offering. Her Allah is a bird only if she cannot afford a lamb. Her chatat is always a bird. So typically when we describe an obligatory cane or nest of birds, we are referring to the two birds, either both turtle doves or both pigeons, not a mix. One bird would be used for a chatat or a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, an Allah. The chatat or sin offering is eaten by the Kohanim and the Allah, the burnt offering, is completely burned up. Another important difference between these two types of korbanot are the following. One is that the blood of the Allah of the bird offerings is applied to the upper half of the altar wall above what we call the chut hasichra, the red line, while the blood of the chatat or the sin offering is drained by the Kohen on the lower half of the altar, below chut hasichra. If the blood of a burnt offering is drained below, or the blood of a burnt sin offering is drained above the red line, in fact, if they're switched, they are invalid. In other words, birds designated as chatat or Allah can never be switched. I also want to review some terms. Kane mifureshet. A woman purchases her birds and designates one as a chatat, a sin offering, and the other bird as an Allah. Once she designates the birds, they are now called ken mifureshet, a specified set of birds, and they cannot be exchanged for each other. This is in distinction from a cane stuma, which is where a woman buys a pair of birds but does not designate them at all. They are non-specified set of birds. So when she comes to the Kohen, he can take either one for a chatat or an Allah because they've not been designated for either korban. 
Our tractate will deal with what happens when birds are mixed up. It is important to learn each Mishnah separately and chart out each one in a logical decision tree. Some recommendations as you work through each Mishnah. Take your time. Work through each case deliberately. Chart it out and think through all the possible outcomes. Feel free to use online resources that review the tractate of Kinim, such as that of Rav Chaim Meir Sheff, whose reviews contain step-by-step charts and are available on YouTube. Now, let's start by looking at the first two Mishnahs. Chapter 1, Mishnah Aleph. Chatat of naset lamata v'chatat lamala. The blood of a bird sin offering of a chatat is drained below the altar's midline, and the blood of an animal sin offering is placed above the altar's midline. So if you're giving, if you're draining the blood of an olav, a burnt offering that is above the chutasichra, the midline, and if it's a behemoth that you're giving, if it's an animal you're giving, you drain it below that midline of the altar. If you switch them up and offer the chatat above and the olah below, chatat bird above and the olah blood below, that's it. It's pasul. It's invalidated. You cannot switch those two. We said that already. Seder kinim kachu, hachova echad chatat v'chad olah. This is the arrangement of the pairs of birds. So when you're giving a pair of birds as an obligatory sacrifice, one is for chatat, like we said, as a sin offering, and one is a burnt offering. Binidarim unidavot kulan olot. So if you're giving a free will offering, you can't give a sin offering. You can only give a burnt offering. I'm going to skip the remainder of this Mishnah because it's just giving you a general rule with regard to voluntary sacrifices and explains the difference between a vow offering a netter and a free will offering an adava. So feel free to review that on your own. Let's move on to the second Mishnah. <laughs> If a chatat becomes mixed up with an olah, or an olah becomes mixed up with a chatat, even if one chatat got mixed up with 10,000, they must all be left to die, all the birds. Okay, so the reason is, if a bird chatat and a bird olah become mixed up, they cannot be sacrificed. Because as we said in that first Mishnah, the blood of the chatat is sprinkled on the lower portion of the altar and the blood of the Allah in the upper portion. If the Kohen spills the blood in the wrong area, the entire sacrifice is disqualified. If these were animal sacrifices, they could be left until they became blemished and then redeemed. However, you cannot do that with bird sacrifices. Therefore, there's nothing left to do but to let the birds die. Let's continue with our Mishnah. So let us understand what's going on here. Here is the case. What you have going on 
literally what you have going on is a sin offering that became mixed with a pair of obligatory birds. Only the number of sin offerings contained in the obligatory pair are permitted to be sacrificed. Let's understand what that means. A woman who has given birth purchases a nest of birds that is not designated. Therefore, they're a cane stuma, right? They're not designated. And she purchases this to fulfill her chova for a sacrifice to be made postpartum. She is not designated either bird as chatat or ola. And then a third bird that has actually been designated as a chatat for a sin offering flies into her nest. And now you have three birds in a box, one of which is an actual chatat, but you can't figure out which is which because they all look the same. So here's the question. Which bird should be offered as a sin offering? A chatat, and which as a burnt offering, as an olah. So now I'm going to ask you to stay with me because we're going to be working our logic mathy muscles here and we need to draw a decision tree to chart this. So now pull out your pen and paper and let's do that. The visual will make a lot of sense. On the right side of your piece of paper, I would write the word chatat and I would draw a pretty picture of a bird, of this third bird that flew in. And that bird was actually designated as a chatat. On the left side, we can make a nest of birds. We can designate them as two X's, two birds that have not been designated yet. Now let's think this through. The chatat flies into an undesignated nest and the woman and the Kohen look in the box and they see three birds. How many birds can they actually offer for chatat and how many for an Allah? Well, let's take a bird out of the box. So you put your hand in, you draw out a bird, and now I want you on your piece of paper to draw a line from your nest and your chatat bird to this one bird that's been pulled out. And when we pull a bird out of the box, we only have two options. Option number one, this bird can be the bird that flew in from the chatat, or option two, it can be one of the undesignated birds. If it's the chatat, good, that's great. So you pull out a bird and it's actually the chatat bird that flew in. And that means that what you have left is a whole nest that has not been designated yet. A cane stuma. Now, that's one option, but option number two is it can be one of the birds from the nest. And now you can designate it as a chatat. And once you do that, the other bird has to be the ola. So really... The first bird out of that box can be either the chatat, designated bird that flew in, or one from the undesignated nest that you can now make a chatat. So now we're fine with the first bird being sacrificed as a chatat. Like I said, it can be the original chatat or a bird from the undesignated nest. Now, here comes the issue. We pull out the second bird from the box. And you can draw a picture of another bird now underneath that first bird you pulled out of the box. Now we have a second bird pulled out of the box. You can put a little two there. And now we run into a different issue. We have three possibilities of where this bird may have come from. It can be that because you took the original chatat that flew in the first time, now you're left with two birds from the original undesignated nest. So therefore, when you pull out that second bird, it's actually either a chatat or an ala. Okay, that's one option. Option number two is that if you actually chose 
the bird from the nest, then it is possible that this second time you've chosen the chatat that flew in. And so you can just say, okay, this is a chatat. I've chosen the chatat. I can designate it as a chatat. The third option is that instead of choosing the chatat bird that flew in or the other bird in the nest, right, which is now the Allah, based on the fact that I pulled out its partner first. So really, for the second choice, there are only three choices that the second bird could be. And that's where the problem lies. I can't be sure in these three different cases exactly which one this bird is. There are no identifying marks to tell me which is which. Thus, we can't take a second bird because it could be the chatat, it could be an Allah, or it could be from this undesignated nest. It could be either one. We can't be sure. And I have to be sure because as we said, you can only drain the blood of an Allah above the chuta sikhra and the blood of chatat below the chuta sikhra. So we have to be really sure. So because we can't take a second bird. We can only actually give one chatat, and we actually can't give any Allah, any burnt offering at all. The other way of explaining this mathematically is if you have a number of chatats flying into X number of obligatory birds, you can use the number of birds in the nest divided by two to figure out the number of chatat birds that you will need. I hope this made sense and you were able to visualize how we got to this answer. I wish you luck as you work through these cases in Kinim of mixed up birds. Because Kinim is the last tractate of Seder Kodshim, we will be reciting the Hadran Allah. The Hadran Allah is a short prayer that is said upon completion of a tractate of Talmud or a Seder of Mishnah. So join me. Hadran Allah Seder Kodshim Vehadrachalan. Datan alach seder kodshim v'datachalan. Lo nitnishay minach seder kodshim v'lo titnishay minan. Lo be'alma haden v'lo be'alma de'ate. We will return to you, seder kodshim, and you will return to us. Our mind is on you, seder kodshim, and your mind is on us. We will not forget you, seder kodshim, and you will not forget us. Not in this world and not in the world to come. I thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to learning with you in the future. This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying Your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting ukjofa.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag YourTorah.